I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Buffy and Frodo were in the Hogwarts library late into the night, prepping for the final trek into Mordor. Liz, I have to stop you. Why? Because this already sounds like the greatest story of all time. World Stealers! Hi, Liz. Hi, Kate. Um, so today, Liz, do you want to talk about what we're doing? Because we're doing something special because we're taking a break from our beautiful fanfics to bring you, that we write, to bring you something else. Yeah, so we just wanted to take a little bit of time to celebrate fan fictions that other people had written and that we thought mm-hmm. were particularly good examples of something that we like about fan fiction. Um, mm-hmm. Either a good example of a genre or just like a classic fan fiction trope. So we each found a fan fiction on Wattpad. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to read some snippets for you and talk about why we picked these and why we like them and... You know, just generally revel in the joy that is fan fiction. Yeah. And Wattpad specifically is, um, I think, not like a traditional fan fiction place. It's mainly for, I think, people who just want to write their, or or like self-publishing, basically, I think is how it started. Yeah. Yeah, um, But it's become very popular for fan fiction, specifically geared around, and I think we've mentioned this in other episodes, geared around uh, boy pop stars. And uh, <laughs> yes. yes, and we're looking at you, stars. Harry Styles. And we're looking at you, Harry Styles. But um, they have a very like robust section of any kind of fan fiction you want X Men, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Naruto, whatever. Um, they have literally everything you need, and it's pretty easy to search and it's super easy to read on your phone, which I appreciate because I'm an old woman and I need big text. And yes. the social aspect is also really great because you can message the writer and their pictures there and you know um it's easy to communicate people spend you know a lot of time making fun covers for their books and 
Oh, the um, covers? And- Honestly, best part. <laughs> yeah, so fun. <laughs> um, and for all the aspiring writers out there, it not necessarily for fan fiction, but it is a place where you can try to get paid for your writing. Like there are paid authors on Wattpad. Um, there are, it's a place that people go to look for material for like movies they want to make. Like there are definitely authors yeah. that get movie deals. I'm not saying that's yeah. easy to do, but it's a good no, place I to mean, put your work out there. Is anything easy to do, Liz? Is this podcast easy. easy to do? Nothing is easy. Okay. Don't live. <laughs> don't, don't fall for that that lie nothing is easy and if it's worth doing it shouldn't be easy tiny army correct that's right tiny army that's why this fight against the lawyers is so long anyway um (laughs) not to harp too much on wattpad but like um also as a place for you to put up your writing um uh hang on where was I going with this oh like you put up your writing and then ideally you could put up a first draft and people comment on it but at the same time there are people who go through it almost like wikipedia and help with editing so you could like find a really good editor on there like how baller is that yeah it's pretty neat I would say like I mean like any place where you're publishing your stuff um you know because people are going to comment and most of the comments I've seen Wattpad has a pretty strict policy as far as what acceptable comments are and what acceptable comments are not. Um, yeah. But, you know, like anything else, you're going to get some constructive criticism. So um, be prepared for that. But, yeah, it's really great. People generally are trying to be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the comments are like, oh, this looks great or this looks interesting or I can't wait to read this. So that's always nice to hear. Yeah. I know. I love that too. I just, any kind of anything that's like supportive because, you know, we live in the world of the internet where um, people think that uh, bullying is constructive criticism um, and those two things are not the same. So feel free, you know, you can always edit and criticize, but, but insulting someone personally just isn't helpful. Like it doesn't, I can't take anything from that in my writing, you know? Yeah. And I will say just to, you know, not to forget archive of our own, like that is also a very supportive place where all the criticism or as far as I've seen, criticism tends to be constructive and mostly people are there because they want to read your stuff. So they're like, hooray stuff, which is great. Yeah. Which leads us to the stuff that we found. Liz, tell me about the fan fiction that you're bringing me. I already took a sneak peek at it and I'm really excited. Yeah. So this is called A Captain and a Madman. Um, The author's username is Raziel Zonoran, which I'm sure cool. is a reference to something that I don't understand. Um, and um, I think his, I think his actual name is Joel. I'm pretty sure it's Joel. Um, and cool. You know, I, Fine. Um, and, you know, I shot him a message asking if we could use this story and he said it was fine. Um, and the reason that I chose this is so Kate, you and I have both sort of struggled with crossovers as a genre. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's really hard, um, often because you're trying to marry two fandoms that not only have different characters and maybe different rules. If it's sci-fi or fantasy, the magic might happen a different way. The technology rules might be different. Yeah. And this is a crossover between Star Trek The Next Generation and Doctor Who, Ooh. specifically the 11th Doctor. So that's the Matt Smith Doctor. And I just thought the author did a really great job um, 
A, crossing the world so that they're, so that the world building aligned, so -hmm. that the rules of Star Trek seemed like they might fit in with the rules that govern the Doctor Doctor Who universe, um, which granted are a lot less strict, I would say. Uh, Star Trek tends to be fairly hard sci-fi and Doctor Who is definitely not. Also, I thought that the author did a particularly nice job of capturing the tone of each of the genres, which are, or each of the fandoms rather, which are two very, very different, tonally very different shows. And uh, blending them in a way that I thought was fun and having the characters react to one another um, in a way that I thought was realistic for the way those two characters, you know, Captain uh, Picard and the Doctor might react to one another, which Picard is very serious and would think that the Doctor was probably pretty annoying and the Doctor tends not to understand why people would ever be serious. So um, I just thought it was a really great crossover and a, a good crossover is a hard to do. So that was why I picked it. Yeah, I mean, that's another one of the things that can get lost when you're blending two worlds is like how the characters speak, mm-hmm. you know, especially like like what you're saying, like Star Trek can be very serious and the Doctor can be very silly. And like, how do you get them in the conversation with those two like different vibes? Right. Although Star exactly. Trek can be kind of campy sometimes. So anyway, I'm excited. Please, please give me all of your voices, particularly. Oh, I, I just realized that your Patrick Stewart impression is coming. And I, I want you to know, Liz, that I've been desperately working on a Patrick Stewart impression. Like when I'm alone, like pooping, I just love pretending to be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I don't know why. There's, <laughs> there's like a lot of breathiness to it. Anyway, I'm just excited to hear yours. I'm so, yeah. Like, I mean, ooh, I, I feel like I, I this time get to pre apologize to all British people and also the author of the story for what I'm <laughs> about to do to be back. <laughs> I'm here so, for it. Let's go. Here we go. I'm going to read uh, chapter one, which is titled A New Shore. And actually, it opens with Picard's dialogue. So yeah. get there real fast. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Take us out of warp, Picard instructed, and bring us to 500,000 kilometers. Mr. Worf, raise shields. The hum of the Enterprise's warp drive faded to the lower thrum of the impulse engines as they inched towards the strange object, keeping a safe distance just in case it proved, well, unfriendly. I am scanning the object, sir, Data announced, fingers dancing over the console, beginning comparative analysis. Picard nodded, shifted in his seat a little, glancing towards Riker. I hope we gained some answers before... I have identified the object. Picard's mouth hung open mid-word for a long moment. That was even faster than usual, Commander. I cannot take credit, sir, Data confessed, blinking down at the readings. The object appears to have English script on its surface that greatly narrowed the search. In addition, its dimensions and design closely mirror that of a structure commonly used in mid-20th century by law enforcement of Britain, Earth. The most common term is police box. The bridge was silent for a long moment. Data, Picard murmured, this isn't an attempt to develop a sense of humor, is it? No, sir, Data replied. I am putting the object on screen now. A split second later, there it was. Big. Blue. It even had the words police box written across it, though they normally looked like they were supposed to light up. The letters were currently dark. 
the entire object was. Once more, that confused, stunned silence settled on the bridge, as everyone tried to come up with some logical explanation to, well, explain that. We're over 500 light years from Earth, Riker murmured. Even if that thing was able to break free of Sol's gravity, there's no way it could drift out this far, or even be brought with anything short of warp velocity, velocity not in just four centuries. Mr. Data, Picard asked, is it possible that the object may have been transported by some form of spatial disturbance, an errant bit of jetsam, as it were? Data paused for a moment before replying, It is a possibility, sir. It would explain the unusual chroniton readings we detected at this location. Picard and Riker both relaxed a little. Things seemed to be making a bit more sense. This wouldn't be the first time we've seen temporal disturbances, Riker pointed out, drawing in a slow breath. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just real quick. There's a couple things. Number one, dialogue, this author, Joel, you're nailing it. Number two, I really enjoy when the prose is kind of like sassy and has its own inner monologue going on. And number three, (laughs) the the shout out to how everything in Star Trek Next Generation has to do with the time thing is my favorite. Literally everything in that show is a time thing. Which well, you could say about a Doctor Who, but that that's it's less obvious there. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, I mean, it's such a great way to incorporate Doctor Who because TNG is always accidentally, you know, warping through dimensions. And Doctor Time Who is ripple, always doing it on purpose. So Time Travelers, gravitational anomalies, time yeah. is f- like like gender. Time is fluid in Star War- Star Trek. And certainly in Doctor Who. And certainly in Doctor Time Who. Lord. Exactly. I love it. Okay. Keep, please continue. All right. This wouldn't be the first time we've seen temporal disturbances, Riker pointed out, drawing in a slow breath. It could be that somewhere back in the 20th century, a police box just went missing for no particular reason. Maybe something snatched it up and deposited it out here. Natural occurrence, even? Yes, but what? And why? Picard mused. What could have done that so cleanly with no surrounding debris or other matter brought along? Why just, mm. why just one police bu- Captain. Both officers turned to ops where Data was sitting, if anything, even straighter than usual, a sure sign he'd found something of particular interest. I have managed to compensate for the interference, Data explained, frowning, for him, as he studied the readings. And I am detecting what I believe may be a life form. A life form, Riker echoed, inside a wooden box in the middle of space? Yes, sir. I am detecting no power emanations from the object, but I believe there is a living person aboard. The readings are strong, with no evidence that the life form is in danger. Picard hesitated for a moment, moving back to his chair before turning back to the viewscreen. Could we beam the occupant aboard? I would not recommend it, sir. Data replied, the sort of frown deepening. The spatial distortions make it extremely difficult to establish an accurate sensor lock. Attempting to beam someone from within, or even transport something aboard, would be extremely hazardous. There was another long pause as they considered the mystery. Picard wasn't inclined to try and bring the object aboard just yet, not without at least a little more information to go on. 
but without even the transporters available and no accurate sensor readings, they were rapidly running out of useful options. I wonder, Picard frowned a little. Mr. Worf, open hailing frequencies. There was a noticeable pause before Worf rumbled, Aye, sir. Hailing frequencies open. <laughs> Worf is hard. Worf is so hard. Because you both have to, you both have to, like, emulate deep battle-esque gruffness, but, like, with, like, a touch of cute. Just, like, a bit of warmth. <laughs> <laughs> a little, yeah. Complex. Ugh. Okay. Bring, 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 bring. Hmm, the phone still works? Ow! There was some muffled Gallifreyan curses as the doctor hopped on one foot across the control platform after rather thoroughly smashing his toes on his toolbox, sending the content scattering in all directions. Be right there! Don't hang up! We're hailing a wooden box, Riker pointed out softly. A wooden box ah! without any power readings. Sorry, okay. Riker's All right. such a sleaze bag in my mind. I love it. I love he kind of is. He kind of is. That's very fair. Riker is like very Captain Kirkian. Like, yeah. Yes. So, but the way this author again nailing the dialogue, it's beautiful. We're hailing yes. a wooden box. I'm gonna use in daily um conversation, I've decided. <laughs> yeah, it's a new metaphor for a hopeless task. We're hailing a wooden box here. Um, we're hailing a wooden box here. So maybe we don't need to get a table at this restaurant. We can just go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new phrase. Perfect. All right. We're hailing a wooden box, Riker pointed out softly. A wooden box without any power readings. Something must be keeping the occupant alive, number one, Picard replied, shaking his head. It can't hurt to try. Suddenly, the channel clicked, and a slightly breathless voice came on. A slightly breathless, very British voice. Hello? Um, clearing his throat, Picard climbed to his feet, tugging at his uniform shirt as he spoke. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. To whom am I speaking? Oh, pleased to meet you. Not familiar with that ship. I'm the doctor. The doctor? Riker and Picard exchanged glances before the captain asked the next obvious question. Doctor who? Just the doctor? The voice faded a bit, becoming a mutter. Every single time they ask that. The, the silence that... <laughs> just so funny. I just get it. It just yeah. it makes sense in the show. Like, it's just all coming together. There's so many things it's, tied together, and I really enjoy it. I mean, basically every Doctor Who show has somebody ask Doctor Who. He's like, yes. The Doctor. So this, I just love this. this. There's mm -hmm. so many good little details from both worlds yeah. in this. And, and actually, there was a great author's note at the top of it um, where he um, he was like, just so everybody knows, I wrote this before um, – a certain, I think, the day of the Doctor, um, where there was a lot of retconning done to the world of Doctor Who, so this might not exactly fit in with the new canon of Doctor Who. And I was like, oh, man, this guy just loves these shows. Like, this is great. Yeah. This fan fiction is pure fan service. And we oh. deserve it. We deserve it. We so deserve it. <laughs> he put in the work, and thank you, Joel, you put in the work to give us this beauty. Doing great. Doing great. All right. The silence that followed was gaping. Picard was an accomplished diplomat with a sharp mind and a skilled tongue. 
but even he was more than a little flabbergasted with the sudden appearance of an old blue police box in the middle of interstellar space, apparently capable of housing a single British individual, despite the fact that the box was made of wood. Scanned of your box? It's not a box, the voice interjected, sounding more than a little offended. I mean, all right, it looks like a box, it's shaped like a box, has things in it like a box would, but it is not a box. This is a TARDIS. My TARDIS. My box-shaped but not box TARDIS. Thank you. That clears up a great deal. Picard cleared his throat a second time before continuing. We have detected no power readings from your TARDIS. Do you require assistance? We could bring you aboard our ship until you make whatever repairs you require. Well, your readings are essentially correct. No more power. No more life support, but there's enough oxygen left in here to last me nine or ten years. I'm sure I could figure out something by then. The musing voice became cheerful again. But that'd be unbearably boring, so I gladly accept your offer for assistance, Captain. I'd come aboard myself, but, well, as you can see, I'm not currently blessed with a tremendous amount of mobility. Or light. I don't suppose you have room on board your vessel for my TARDIS? Well, Picard replied dryly. I think we can find space for it. We'll tractor your we'll tractor it into our shuttle bay. We'll have you aboard shortly. Greatly obliged, Captain. See you shortly. Indeed. Picard out. The silent gesture towards tactical was greeted with a nod, and Worf began the methodical task of tractoring the strange knot box into the main shuttle bay. As they waited, Picard shifted a bit closer to Riker, lowering his voice as his arms folded across his sh- chest. Thoughts, number one? Interesting day, Riker offered ruefully. So it would seem, Picard agreed, sighing softly as he considered their options. They had a mission to complete, but he was reluctant to leave the area without a more thorough search, just in case it bore any other oddities. Ideally, something that could shed light on what was happening. Begin a full sensor sweep of the area. See if anything else is drifting out here. If we can't find anything within the vicinity, resume course for Alcaron 5. I, sir. Mr. Data, Mr. Worf, Counselor, with me, Picard announced, and the trio fell into step behind him as he moved to the turbo lift. Time to greet our new guest. Commander, you have the bridge. As the sensors suggested, I am detecting a life form within the structure, Data said, eyes flitting across the tricorder's display. However, the readings are extremely erratic. I am unable to offer any information as to the interior, only that its outer shell does appear to be wood. They had assembled in the shuttle bay only a few moments ago, with a pair of security guards posted just inside the doors. Worf was the only other one armed, however, and despite his request, Picard had told him to keep it holster. Nobody had tried to directly... Nobody had tried to directly touch the strange blue box yet, but as the seconds ticked past, they couldn't help but wonder when... The door suddenly flew open with great enthusiasm. Within, there was only darkness, the shadows too thick to offer any idea as to the interior. A half-second later, its occupant stepped out, adjusting his bow tie, straightening his suspenders, and tugging at the hem of his coat in a gesture that caused, caused Troy and Worf's eyes to flicker briefly to Picard. Right, hello. Slipping out of the box, the man tugged the door shut and paused to straighten his suit jacket again, tugging at the sleeves and then scurrying over to greet the welcoming party. 
Sorry about the wait. Hard time finding the door in the dark. Must have skinned my knees five times before I found where I left my screwdriver. Jacket pocket, it turns out. Really have to keep track of these things. So, I take it you're the captain, then. He finished, smiling brightly, his attention squarely on Picard. Picard, who had opened his mouth to speak when the newcomer had emerged, had only gaped at the seemingly normal human in outdated clothing, and his speech hadn't exactly been restored by the man's rambling monologue. Still, when the man finally stopped talking, Picard found enough inner equilibrium to reply. "'I am Captain Picard,' he replied cautiously, half-turning to gesture to the others. "'May I introduce my chief of security, Lieutenant Worf, my second officer, Lieutenant Commander Data,' and the shift's counsellor, Deanna Troy. The man's attention had wandered from the captain, not towards the other three occupants, as he hardly afforded them a glance, but instead to the shuttle bay itself, his brow furrowing with obvious interest. Pleasure, right, pleasure, wonderful architecture, very roomy in here, can't quite put my finger on the design style. Handshakes were administered, first to Picard, then to Troy. When he reached Data, however, he paused, frowning a little as he squinted at the android. Huh. Odd. Curious eyes. Lifting the android's clasped hand mid-shake, he gave it an experimental sniff, then brightened. Mmm, various tripolymer composites. Molybdenum cobalt alloys. Releasing the hand, he licked his own palm before smacking his lips uh, and adding, Ah, bioplast sheeting. Brilliant. Artificial life form. Love those. Always so nice to have a conversation with someone who understands half of what I'm saying most of the time. Pleasure to meet you. Very much so. All of you. I'm the doctor, as you probably heard. And you. He had moved to the last person in line. As he, but as he clasped Worf's hand, he craned up his head to consider the scowling security chief. He paused. He didn't seem to be perturbed by the somewhat unfriendly expression, but the face itself did cause him concern. What are you? Worf stiffened a little at the question, obviously uncertain whether or not he was being insulted, but the genuine confusion in the man's eyes, to say nothing of the fact that his commanding officer was in the room, kept him from reacting unfavorably, instead muttering, I am a Klingon. The doctor nodded along agreeably, then blinked. A what? Worf's lip curled a little as he all but growled, A Klingon. A Klingon. He didn't just look confused now. He looked downright disturbed, eyes narrowing. Right. Never heard of them. That's odd. Now that proper introductions have been made, Picard said slowly, perhaps you could enlighten us as to just what you were doing out here. Right, yes, the man muttered. Very important to know who I am, where I'm from, but... Klingon... Suddenly, in a flurry of movement, the stranger yanked out a metallic wand and, before anyone could react, aimed it square at the imposing security chief. Just as Worf lifted his phaser, though, the device's green crystal tip glowed, buzzed, and seemingly nothing happened. It was that absence of effect that kept the security team from opening fire, but the man didn't seem in any way bothered by it, simply snapping his wrist. The wand lengthened slightly, revealing a tiny display that he studied solemnly, expression grim. Never seen this biological design before, the stranger mused, then aimed the wand in Picard's direction. Once more, it buzzed that peculiar sound, but as Worf reached out to seize the doctor's wrist, Picard motioned for him to stand down, correctly guessing what this odd fellow's intentions were. Once more, the doctor's wrist flicked back once the scan was finished, and his eyes fever feverishly dis 
studied the miniature display. Well, you're human at least. Artificial heart, incredible, you must be killer at poker. And you... A third time the device buzzed, this time in Troy's direction. The reading only seemed to further trouble him. Are not. Human, I mean. Not entirely. I've never seen... What are you? Troy was all but buffeted with waves of worry, frantic confusion, almost fear from the strange man rising higher with every moment, so she kept her voice as calm and gentle as she could. I am half Betazoid. Betazoid. He whirled around to glance at the TARDIS, then whirled back to the increasingly uncomfortable group. Never heard of it. All right, a room with a human and two races I've never heard of. This is a first. Ever. His brain suddenly switched tracks. What year is it? If you mean by the Terran calendar, this is the year 2368, Troy replied. But rather, than settle the but rather than settle the strange man, it only seemed to fluster him all the more. No, 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 that can't be right. The doctor's eyes flickered back and forth as he took a half step back, looking increasingly like a caged animal with every passing moment. This couldn't possibly be 2368. I know 2368 like the back of my hand. Had lunch with some very prominent people in 2368. This is most certainly not. Unless... When the doctor trailed off, glancing back toward the blue box, Picard tried to urge him along. Unless... Oh, no, this is even worse than I thought. The entire group stiffened a little at that but Picard took a careful step closer, both hands lifted as if the strange man were brandishing a weapon instead of a... whatever the hell that was. You're obviously upset about something, Picard said slowly, carefully, but if you could just explain... The doctor suddenly laughed. It was a brief, almost high-pitched, decidedly agitated giggle, his hand flicking outwards in a helpless shrug. Once again, the entire group tensed as the strange madman with his strange blue box glanced all around the shuttle bay, his teeth clenched, breaths passing in a few sharp gasps, gasps before he replied, Well, I'm not technically supposed to be here. End of chapter. That, that is amazing. So good, right? I, I didn't want to interrupt you because it like... It was, it just was flowing really well. And I was also thinking, I was like noticing all of the, the physical attributes that were added to the narration, like the way he fidgeted with his clothing and what the TARDIS looked like. And the fact that he was like tripping over stuff on the way out to the TARDIS and the whole reaction with the sonic screwdriver. Like there was so much physical stuff that really like, I think was good to grasp on as the story moved. I don't know. It was just, it was great. Yeah. Great detail. Great dialogue. Mm-hmm. Really just captured both worlds very well, I thought. Yes. Um, Tiny Army, if you want to uh, read the rest of this story, because this is just chapter one, what is the username of the of Joel, our writer? You said it earlier, but say it again for me, please. So it's I, Raziel I Zonoran. Um, it's okay. R-A-Z-I-E-L-Z-O-N-O-R-A-N. Um, and we'll put links to our stories in the show notes. Yes. Um, but the Always. title of the story, which you could just search on Wattpad, is A Captain and a Madman. A Madman. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank, we encourage you, you to go read the rest that. of the story. Uh, thank you for bringing that. That was truly so good. My pleasure. So juicy. And, and what so have good. you brought? Oh, I have brought something way different. 
way different. Something Excellent. that's, I, I mean, I think the story that you brought, one, is written by a man, which I think fan fiction, that's a rarity, or at yes. least fan fiction as we know it now, specifically fan fiction to Wattpad on the internet. I brought something that is written by a woman. Um, uh, actually, I'm not certain because the the avatar is a picture of Brie Larson. So actually, you know what? I'm not going to assume this could be anybody. Let me, but before I clarify, let me check the author's notes so I know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm not sure. I... I would make the assumption that this is a woman because it is from the point of view of a young girl and because it kind of fits into a lot of the beautiful, wonderful tropes of fan fiction, which is like author and story, girl POV, falling in love with a male character that we all love and think is super hot. And so, um, and, and but but like also it's kind of innocent. So I would, I would guess it's a woman, but honestly, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. So, um, but I reached out to them on, uh, or actually I did and they didn't get back to me, so ignore it. So the user on Wattpad's name is Marvel-us, so Marvelous, but specifically Marvel, the comic book universe. Oh, Because nice. we are going to talk about the Avengers. Oh, yay! So, yes. Love so the Avengers. This, Oh my god! I, I and was something we haven't done on our podcast too. So I was like, let's do it because I'm a super like Marvel nerd, um, and we are going to do X Men at some point in the future, or we've already done it. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> Who knows we haven't we done anything. <laughs> we haven't done anything in the Avengers universe, so I felt like it would be really good to like kind of take a little bloop drop into somewhere really fun. Um, the name of the story is "The Joy of Agony," mm, which sounds angsty. great title. Great title. Already angsty, already reminding me of the kind of fan fiction that I read when I was younger and the feels that it gave me. And that's kind of why I chose this is because it truly is like a representation of what I knew as fan fiction when I got started with it. And all the all the feelings it gave me and like Ugh. it like checks all the boxes. Sometimes you just need fan fiction like you need food. You're like, oh, food, yes. give it to me. I got to feel. So anyway. I am specifically going to start reading chapter two because um, one, it's from the point of view of the main character um, and two, because the first chapter is kind of like a preface and so this really digs into the story uh, and I may read chapter two okay. depending on how much time we have. It, they're, they're pretty short. Sweet. Liz, do you have any I'm questions? Excited. Okay. Um, um, so the author's yes. note. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just, no I'm just excited to hear it. I love I mean, I love this because I feel like it's going to be everything that's good and pure about fan fiction. Yeah, get get ready to clench your heart. Okay, oh. so the author's note is that this is from Aaron's POV, and that's E-R-Y-N, and Aaron is Bruce Banner's niece, just so you know. Okay. Um, it's supposed to take place a year after the Avengers movie. I, I think originally the, I think that the author is referring to the um, Infinity Wars, the first Infinity Wars. Okay. Um, and since the movie doesn't state when Loki was attacked, I'm going with the date that the movie was in theaters, which is May 4th. Cool. So actually, no, I think this is the very first. This is a year after the very first Avengers movie where Loki was the villain. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we are we're getting into the joy of agony by Marvelous. Ready? Excellent. 
You know, I thought working at S.H.I.E.L.D. would be exciting and adventurous, but in reality, nothing interesting has happened at all besides watching Steve trying to use an iPad. Bruce smiled at me as we both checked in and placed our IDs around our neck. I thought getting to work with your marvelous uncle was exciting enough. Sure, I sarcastically mumbled, plastering the biggest fake smile onto my face. My uncle may be the Incredible Hulk, but he's just an ordinary guy. He's always calm and serene, or as I like to put it, boring, no matter the situation, which sometimes bothers me. Sometimes I feel as if he needs to just stop holding back and let it all out. But then again, I think about a green raging monster who could kill me in a matter of seconds and decides, and then I decide against it. (laughs) I've never seen Bruce's other side, although I am curious about it. I'd rather not have an encounter with the Hulk. At least not one on purpose. What? He asked, furrowing his eyebrows. He obviously didn't hear my mumble, and I didn't feel like repeating it. Oh, nothing. I innocently smiled at him as I spotted Tony and ran up to him, leaving Bruce behind to catch up. How's your research going? Tony casually asked as we entered the lab where Bruce and I mainly worked at. Often, Tony would stop by and join us. The others would come too, and they would just drop by and chat instead of actually doing lab work. It's going all right. I really want to start working with the lab rats, but Bruce keeps on telling me to wait to see if I can get a reaction from the plants, I answered. Although, I believe the radiation only has a huge effect on heterotrophous organisms rather rather than autotrophs. Ever since I found... Sorry, I just love... That's... Ugh, good use of science words. This is so fun so far. Um, (laughs) Just because I feel like this is such a, like... Oh, I love an inner monologue-y fan fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just... Because that's, tr- that's truly how you put yourself in the story. Yeah. So it's like you're experiencing what it would be like to be in that world. And that's really, I think, where the joy of fan fiction comes from is because you're you're hanging out with what you would consider to be your friends. Yeah, and I'm just... I'm picturing this person like, I just learned about heterotrophs and autotrophs in science class and I'm going to put this into my fan fiction. Like, I just... Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Or off Wikipedia. Some, I mean, that's not something I would know. I would go on Wikipedia, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like, uh, science words. Help. I'm a scientist <laughs> in my story and not in real life. Um, okay. Ever since I found out about Bruce's alter ego, the Hulk, I began my own research on gamma radiation and a few other toxic chemicals. My research sparked interest from a lot of famous scientists, such as Dr. Osborne from Oscorp and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Phil Coulson approached me a few years ago, encouraging me to join S.H.I.E.L.D. and bribing me with news about Bruce since he was incognito back then. I wouldn't have accepted their offer in joining S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy if it weren't for the chance to get to see Bruce. If it weren't for him, I would have been working at Oscorp or some other corporation. The door opened behind us as Bruce and the others enters, entered. I found it strange that they all were there. It was a rare thing. All of the Avengers, except for Thor, were in this room, and even though I've known about them for a while, I still couldn't help but have a fangirl attack on the inside. I mean, come on. They saved Earth, and they're all (laughs) good-looking. I mean, I would think that if I were to hear you, Avengers, honestly. (laughs) Did you read the newspaper? Steve asked as he held it up, showing everyone. I tried to read it, but failed since he was too far away. Steve, Captain America, you innocent boy, you. I love him so much. Okay. So good. 
She's like, guys, did you read the newspaper? <laughs> guys, 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 listen, my iPad. <laughs> it does this thing. It takes pictures. It's crazy. Okay. Oh, so cute. Uh, him in America's ass. I'm just all about it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it's been a year? Natasha incredulously asked as she sat herself on a stool. Seems like it was just yesterday. Clint sighed, leaning against the counter. Who's Clint? I, oh, is that Hawkeye? Yes, it is. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I don't have to do an accent. Okay. What's been a year? I asked, confused, feeling lost. Was I supposed to know what they were talking about? Instantly, all eyes were on me, making me feel as if I were a doctor who had just asked, where do babies come from? It's been a year since, oh, it's been a year since, you know, I went to another dimension and saved the world from chaotic destruction. Nothing big, really. Tony shrugged. My eyes widened in realization as I mouthed, oh, today was the 4th of May. And as of last year, now a tragic event that will always be remembered. That explained the abundant amount of flowers downtown. It must be in respect for all of those who were lost that day. I swallowed the hard lump that formed in my throat. Fortunately for me, I wasn't in Manhattan when the attack had taken place, but that still didn't make me worry any less. Especially when I had watched the news and saw a large green creature fighting aliens. Hey, don't take all the credit. I believe there was a reason for our win that day, Bruce teased as he grinned. Technically, it was the other guy, Tony retorted, folding his arms across his chest. Technically, the Hulk and Bruce are the same person, I stated with a smirk. Tony narrowed his eyes at me, pointing a finger in my direction. Hey, no one likes a smartass. Says the smartass, Steve grumbled, rolling his eyes. I laughed. Out of all the Avengers, I was closest with Steve and Tony. Steve was the closest one to my age, minus the years that he had spent frozen. And since I was the only one who wasn't occupied with saving the world, I helped him adjust and blend in better with the help of Stark. As for Tony, I hated his guts when I first met him, but he grows on you. Now he's like another uncle to me. Everyone became engaged in a conversation as I walked over to the sink and washed my hands. Glancing up, I stared out the window as I dried them. The... The sky was clear and the sun bright. I could see part of the Stark building from here since Tony had enlarged it when it came to rebuilding. As I stared out the window, I caught sight of something. My eyebrows furrowed as I tried to concentrate on the object literally falling out of the sky. What in the world? I mumbled to myself. I didn't even know how to describe it because I've never seen anything like it in my life. What is it? Clint asked curiously as he walked towards where the window was. Either I saw a meteor or some weirdo decided to skydive into flame in skydive in flames into New York, I replied as the object disappeared out of my view. Probably just some guy skydiving. Natasha <laughs> shrugged it. Oh, your yeah. Scarlett Johansson is so good. <laughs> uh, probably just some guy skydiving. Natasha shrugged as the others agreed. I nodded along with them. People in Manhattan can be strange. But that being said... Everyone but Bruce dismissed themselves and went out to go to work. Bruce walked over to his computer and began to do whatever he was working on for the week. I then laughed at myself for earlier. Meteor? I thought, like you'll ever see one in Manhattan. 
It wasn't until lunch break that everyone gathered together, gathered together again. Tony was conversing with Steve about how to play Temple Run on his iPad. <laughs> Natasha and Clint were... <laughs> so funny. Natasha and Clint were engaged in a conversation like the two peas in a pods they are. And Bruce and I were engaging, were exchanging our data for the day. It was just your ordinary boring day. That is, until Nick Fury barged in with a shocked expression on his face. He looked as if he'd just seen a ghost. I need to speak with the Avengers, preferably alone. I nodded, understanding, and left the room with my journal. When it came to the big, interesting stuff, I was always left out. As opposed to the Avengers, who had high status and level in S.H.I.E.L.D., I was a level three scientist. As I walked out, I couldn't help but wonder what was so urgent this time. I would have stayed and eavesdropped, but, I, but last time I did, I got caught by Director Fury himself. Although I did manage to grasp that he was talking about Agent Coulson, who I haven't seen in the longest time. As usual, I waited patiently in the lab for my uncle to come back and inform me on what was happening. Between him and I, we never kept secrets from each other. If there's anything we both hate the most, it's secrets. We're too, much too close for hiding things from each other. He may just be my uncle, but he was also a dad and brother to me when I needed one. He's actually the only living family member I have left. Oh, oh, tragic, tragic That's main so character, tragic so protagonist. Cool. I mean, your protagonist has to be an orphan. It's classic. Uh, uh, classic. So classic. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I just, it gives them so much depth. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, they've Disney suffered. patented, Disney patented the orphan uh, protagonist yep. and does it well. <laughs> Is everything all right? I asked as soon as I heard the lab door sliding open. I didn't bother looking up as I continued to type data into my computer. When I heard no response, I finally glanced up to see that Bruce didn't come alone. The whole gang was with him, and they, were un they wore unreadable expressions. Bruce glanced around, and everyone gave him a nod as if they were proving that I could know. Loki's back, Bruce answered. Loki, 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 where have I heard that name before? My eyes widened as I recognized who he was and what he tried to do. Oh, you mean that one weird alien guy who you Hulk smashed because he tried to conquer the Earth? Wow, and he dares to show his face on Earth? Can you Hulk smash him again? That was my brilliant response. Love it. Love it. Ugh. So, uh, so good and pure. Everything so a fan fiction should be. And joyous. And yes. also I feel like I just hung out with the Avengers. Like me and the Avengers just like had my, just reading that aloud, I felt like I was hanging out with them. Yeah, I feel like so. she, I, I mean, we're assuming it's a she, um, but they yeah. captured the Avenger, they, mm -hmm. like snappy dialogue, the Avenger banter, which I like. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, the Tony is, is so clear. And the like innocence of particularly Professor Hulk, which this is kind of like skipping ahead to Avengers Endgame, but Professor Hulk, like, just so innocent and lovely. Yes. Ugh, beautiful. Beautiful. I, just, I love it. So, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler. Obviously, Loki comes to town and these two have a little romantic play. I mean, of course they fall in love. You have I mean, to. of course. We've all we all love Tom Hiddleston. Oh He's my god. Sexy beast. Oh my god. Who what wouldn't want to write themselves into a fan fiction where they get with him? Yeah, I would hit that over and over and over. You know, I mean, you want to talk about Hulk smash. Yeah. <laughs> More like me smash. Hey, -oh. Loki. Gross. Love it. 
Anyway, it was really nice to let someone else do the work for an episode. <laughs> yes. It sure was. <laughs> um, um, but I, you know, we originally wanted to start this podcast where we read other people's fan fictions. And I'm so glad that we didn't do that and decided to write our own so we understand, like, how hard it is and how much joy you get out of it and, like, what the tricks of the trade are before we actually read other people's fan fictions. Yeah, I agree. It made this... I don't know. You just you read it through a different set of eyes when you've written your own, and you know you have a yeah. much deeper appreciation for it. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, fans. Well, I hope Tiny Army. I don't know why I'm calling you fans. You're not. You're an army. You're frigging conscripted. Yeah. Um, fans, but are also passive. you like us, you are active. So. <laughs> you are active. Uh, Tiny Army, thank you for joining us for another mini ep here in season two of World Stealers. Um, we hope that you're healthy out there on the battlefield and that you're hydrating. Yes, please. It's so hot outside. You've got to hydrate. It's very important. Please. please. It's so hot. <laughs> I mean, you're going to die um, eventually, but don't drop dead of dehydration. That would just be silly. That would be terrible. It's a bad headache from what yeah. I understand. Listen, we don't have to get into it. Okay. So um, you can always check in on us your uh your overlords your generalissimas <laughs> um you can always check in on us at world stealers on instagram and twitter mm -hmm. and you can email us with your concerns about the conditions of being in our army at <laughs> world pod at gmail.com and please rate and subscribe and give us your fan fictions in your reviews on itunes we want to read them we want to write them we want to do your fan fiction ideas yeah we want to write you little mini apps and it really helps so much to get our tiny little podcasts discovered um, when you give yeah. us those ratings and especially those reviews on iTunes. So, you know, yeah. we're going to write you fanfics. Yeah. I mean, what's you can't lose, you know? You can't lose. It's free. Yeah. Come on. Do it. Um, okay. And we will see you next week. We love you. And as always, you better hide your kids. And you better hide your worlds. Because we're, we're stealing them. them. Left and right. We're <laughs> ours now. Bum, bum. <laughs>